Hello friends, it's your old pal Ariel Hawani back with another edition of DC and Hawani. A lot to get to this week coming off an entertaining UFC card this past weekend. Rob Font with a big win, Carlos Sparza with a big win, Jack Hermanson with a big win. A lot going on in the world of MMA, so stay tuned for all of that. But before we get to all of that, a reminder, playoffs, full swing, Knicks down, one game to none. Very sad, but... I do love all things NBA, despite the heartbreaking loss on Sunday. And to get my NBA fix, I go to the Woj Bomb creator himself, the legend, Adrian Wojnarowski. He hosts a podcast called The Woj Pod. I highly recommend it. You got to get your news from the man himself. He is the source. He is the man. Download and follow The Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Also, The Ultimate Fighter, it returns on June 1st on ESPN+. You know about it. You listen to the show. Yeah, you know about the Ultimate Fighter. It's back. Volkanovski, Ortega. Sign up now, ESPNplus.com. All right, on to today's show. As always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone, DC and Helwani. The melted cheese, and you like you, you'll dip things in it. Like you'll dip like bread, even some fruit, cheese souffle. Come on, I've never had cheese souffle. <laughs> Here's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this Monday, May 24th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC. Daniel Cormier. I'm Helwani. Ariel Helwani and DC. It's so good to see you on the show because I was just what like, do you not do broadcasts anymore? Because like I feel like I haven't seen you on a fight night broadcast in like six months. What's going on? Well, you know, I just didn't work last week, but I'm gonna be gone. I'm, I'm mm. gonna be gone for a while. You know, I you know I I uh, I did a whole bunch in the beginning of the year, and I've got a couple things coming up that's gonna keep my son has wrestling again. So the next time I was supposed to work, it falls on the weekend that little Daniel has a wrestling tournament. So. I'm going to go and, and coach my son, and hopefully he can compete for a state title, and then I'll work again later on in the month or something. Wow, okay. You don't know what you got till it's gone. DC's saying, you'll no, miss me, me when you I'm don't gone. Know DC, I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> so sad, so sad that we won't be hearing you. But, uh, you know, you're a family man first. You're a proud father. I'm very sad. I'm hoping that you can uh, lift my spirits a little bit on this Monday afternoon dc because of what happened what transpired last night at the mecca at madison square garden just just a tough a bitter pill to swallow as they say you know what ariel um listen man the best player on the court played the best in in most instances that's what happens you know when julius randall's out there (laughs) shooting fadeaway jump shots i mean and trey young is just going to work it is what it is. But listen, Ariel, live in love that there was playoff basketball in Madison Square Garden. It was the Mecca. It was rocking. New York was representing to a loss. You know, they represented all the way to a loss. So it's fine. Just relax. Live in the fact that you're not fishing. Normally, you guys are fishing at this point. Your vacation has normally started. But when the best player on the court plays the best, like Trey Young, I mean, hey, 
Trey Young looks fantastic. The hair is just always fabulous. You know, little light skinned <laughs> brother running around there, getting into the lane. I mean, he's making three pointers. You know what I'm saying? That's this is the one guy from Oklahoma University that I kind of messed with a little bit. But boy, was Trey Young on fire last night. It, it was it was good. It was good. It's all good. We just wanted to uh, make it competitive. The garden was rocking. Fifteen thousand, <laughs> some way, somehow, they allowed fifteen thousand in there, and uh, we'll we'll get our revenge on uh, on Wednesday. I have no doubt about that. Look, when you lose by two and your best player plays the way in which he did, I feel good about my chances. I'll just say that I feel good about my chances. Now, DC. I have to also say something else to you. No, I'm ignoring your comment. I'm ignoring your finger because you have nothing good to wait, say. You have nothing good to wait, say. Wait, wait. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I mean, there have been 2,000 people in Madison Square all week, all year. 15,000 last week. I mean, Phoenix was rocking. I mean, the only place that don't have fans right now is down in Colorado because for some reason, the Nuggets had less fans than the, than the Lakers against the Warriors. When in the world did Colorado decide to have less fans in California? Come on, Colorado. Get the fans in the building. It will help to propel you guys because, boy, Dame time was a hey, Damian Lillard and the Blazers the other day put it on them dudes. They need their fans if they want a chance. Look, um, I've seen a lot of hate online recently, and everyone's telling me, oh, enough with the holidays, enough with this. Just get on with it. Just get on with the show. And so you know what? I'm not going to tell you that today is National Scavenger Hunt Day. I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff, all right? Even though everyone loves a good scavenger hunt. I will say, though, to all my fellow Canadians, Happy Victoria Day. Today's a very important holiday in Canada. It's Happy Victoria Day to all of you that celebrate. And it is worth noting, DC, I think this whole gimmick with the holidays started on Victoria Day last year because you were like, what the heck is Victoria Day? What's this Victoria? All you Canadians with your holidays. So I think it's actually been a year no, since I kept, and maybe guys, I retire it you now. Guys maybe have, it's time to retire you guys have You guys have too many holidays. And why would you retire it? It's not like it's just us anymore. It's everywhere. Everybody's doing a holiday now. I saw it on Sports Center. I saw it on other shows. Oh, well, happy this day. Happy this day. I mean, I got people on other shows saying I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. I mean, Ariel, we have started a movement. I mean, so, no, the gimmick that started with us will die with us. It will stay with us. As long as we are here, as long as you and I, brothers together, brothers in arms, that is our gimmick. No matter how many times they intimidate us, no matter how many times, they try to imitate the tag team broadcast champions of the world. Doesn't matter. This is our gimmick. It lives and stays with DC and Helwan. There it is. There We're about to strap, baby. Read it in We're about to strap, baby. Read Let's it go. Week. Right here. We're about to strap. ESPN Tag Team Champs. <laughs> now, let's move on to this past weekend, D.C. Speaking of champions, future champions, potential champions, former champions, we had it all on display Saturday night at the Apex. A lot of interesting results, a lot of big-time performances. Let's give the main event its due off the bat. Rob Font wins his fourth in a row and puts on a clinic. Dare I say, the best performance of Rob Font's career. He beats the former champ, Cody Garbrandt. He sweeps him, in my opinion, maybe 4-1 to one if you want to be kind. But it was a very, very impressive performance out of a guy who you know, has been in the UFC for quite some time but is now seemingly, at least in my opinion, getting over that hump into contender territory, if you will. Last fight, Marlon Moraes, 
Now you go up against Cody Garbrandt. You have that output, that kind of boxing, that kind of you know that that kind of work on the feet, the jab. Everything was cooking for Rob Font. And so, to me, let me ask you this: as you look at the stats right over here, I mean, look at that DC, one eighty-three to seventy-eight. And then if you look at the back end of the fight, I mean, it wasn't even close. What's the bigger story coming out of this fight for you? What Rob Font did, or what Cody Garbrandt didn't do? It's Rob Font. The story is Rob Font, and it should be Rob Font, because this is a man that for a long time would put a couple wins together, then he would get an opportunity, and he would lose. But now he has gotten everything going in the right direction. He has learned to live in these big moments, because when you would normally get a Rob Font versus Marlon Marais fight, Rob Font would falter. Then if you got a Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt, he would falter. The reality is he has now put those guys back to back. He has been in those two big fights back to back, and he's not only won, he has looked fantastic. His jab looked phenomenal. His pace, his pressure looked fantastic. And as that fight built, you could see Cody kind of melting in front of him. Like you knew that it was not going to change. And this is a guy that didn't grow up doing martial arts. Like he started doing it based on seeing something. So that should give you encouragement that if you ever hope to pursue something in any area in life, make a strong commitment and you can be uh, special at it. And Rob Font shows that because the dude's striking looked so on point and he looks to be a problem for everybody at the Bantamweight weight class because there's no holes. And, you know, um, it was very dominant. I was very impressed by Rob Font. Yeah, and, and, and a big win for that team, New England Cartel. Calvin Cater stumbled in his last fight, so this was a way to remind everyone that they are not done. Uh, Rob Font, to me, has now, like I said, entered this, this special territory at 135. The big question is, there's nothing really that makes total sense off the bat right now for him as far as who is next, because we know that Aljamain Sterling is the champion, and we know that Piotr Jan is going to be his next fight. You have to run that one back, but we know that Aljo is probably not coming back until October, November, right? We also know that TJ Dillashaw and Corey Sanhagen are fighting in late July. And we also found out late, late uh, last week that Jose Aldo is going to be fighting Pedro Munoz. So if you look at the names at 135 DC, Jan is booked, Sanhagen is booked. I'll skip Font, who's number three. Uh, Cody just fought. Aldo, Marais, he beat. There's Frankie Edgar, which I don't think that fight makes sense for Frankie right now. Pedro Munoz book. The next name is Dominic Cruz. And then we're talking about a Marab, Devalishvili, Sunsal, Rivera. Dominic Cruz, Rob Font makes a whole lot of sense to me. Is that a crazy idea in your opinion or not? It's not a crazy idea. And for Dominic Cruz, who still has championship aspirations, this type of fight puts him right back in the conversation. Here's the problem. How does Dominic go about figuring the puzzle that is Rob? Because Rob's just going to keep pressuring him. You know, I think we have seen very recently that we have these champions from before and they get these new young and exciting guys and they struggle in, with them. If anyone can still compete at that level, it's Dominic Cruz. But that's a big ask when he's starting to rebuild his resume towards championship contention. Um, Fun fight, great fight, another way to put Rob Font in a situation to overachieve in a sense. But 
this fight would benefit Rob Font more to me than it would Dominic Cruz. You know, there's a lot of times where you get a former champion and they're fighting a guy like Rob that's on the rise and that's kind of building, and they need that last fight against that name to really introduce themselves to a title fight. And I believe that's what a fight between Font and Cruz would be viewed as. Yeah, but I also think that Rob Font is a necessary step up and appropriate step up from Casey Kenny, who Dominic just beat. And not too, I mean, like he's not fighting for the belt next. This is kind of, you know, again, I thought Dominic Cruz should fight Jose Aldo next. That's not happening. I don't know. If I just look at the landscape and you look at Rob Font's skill set, I think this could be a really fun fight on paper. Now, let me ask you about Cody Garbrandt. And, and you know, we forget in June of last year, almost a year ago, he had that fantastic win. Remember that knockout against Hapal Sensei? I mean, that was incredible stuff. And everyone thought that he was back. But since then, so much has changed for him. Bicep tear, COVID, vertigo, blood clots, all kinds of issues. Was this maybe a byproduct of the time off? Was it a byproduct of his health status? Or was it just the fact that Rockman was just too damn good and he's beating the, uh, you know, he's beating the best Cody Garbrandt there is on any given night. You know, I believe that Cody Garbrandt, um, all those things that happen obviously will always play a part in your results. But but here's the difference. Cody Garbrandt has a real boxing style of fighting. I just believe that Rob Font's a better boxer. And I thought that showed on Saturday. Mm. Cody was the one that was initiating the wrestling. Look, he's a state champion wrestler. But in his fighting career, Garbrandt's not known as a guy that wants to take you down consistently and over and over again. He had to do that against Rob Font. So um, I think Rob Font is just a very difficult matchup for Cody Garbrandt because he's so technically sound in the boxing. Like, Cody landed that punch against the Sun Sao, and it was so weird, right, because he went all the way down to the ground and threw it from his hip. You can't hit Rob Font with anything like that. He's too good. Even on the, 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 the stills that we just showed, it was Rob throwing his jab, but every time his other hand is just right at the chin, blocking where it's supposed to be. I mean, he always does. That's the right hand, right? The left hand's a little bit low. But when you look at the jab, it was another picture. You look at the jab, Rob Font's throwing the jab, and when he throws the jab, the hand's up. Right here, he's landing the right hand. But, I mean, Rob Font does things the right way. And you don't get, like, those types of shots off on, on a guy like Rob. So just a very difficult fight for Cody. And I think that he would always have difficult times against Rob Font. Man, for, for like a brief second there, for like one millisecond, I felt like I was broadcast partners with Daniel Cormier. For a second, I felt like you were about to break here's, out the telestrator. Listen, look right here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I felt cool, but here's the thing, right? They go out there and show every still with his hands down. You know, I'm trying to say how good the guy does and how well he does everything right. And they show every still with his hands down. Like, come on, man. That's oh. the one right here. That's hands the still up. I'm talking about. That's the one I was referring to. Right there, right? With the with the hands. <laughs> the hands are normally in position. But I mean, come on, production crew. Oh, look at that. There it is again, Helwani. Come on. This is what I'm alluding to. Come on, production crew. You can't hang me out the dry like that. What is going on, Jake? Corporate Jake Hands and them up. done up the clips to make me look bad out here. <laughs> I just felt cool. I, I felt like I was sitting next to the uh, the new czar, the telestrator. You know, for, for the longest time, it was Mike Fratello, but now it's you. The new czar, the telestrator. <laughs> 
Daniel Cormier representing Little Rock for some strange reason. I mean, is that even allowed? When you, like one week it's UNC, then it's Little Rock. Aren't you an OSU guy? Like, isn't that like sacrilegious to, to wear other schools? <laughs> no. So what happens is like the great John Smith, he is the Bill Belichick of college wrestling. So my friend Neil Arisman is the head coach at Arkansas Little Rock. He was at Oklahoma State when I was coaching okay. there. The University of North Carolina, Coleman Scott, another Oklahoma State graduate, is the head coach there. So it's uh, it's at Oregon State, Chris Pendleton, you know, and obviously Oklahoma State. But all the guys at all these colleges, they're all coached by uh, OSU graduates, you know, and all my friends. Supposedly. And All I've right. also got a kid. Uh, let's, I've let's also got on. a kid yeah. named Jaden Gomez going to Little Rock next year. He signed a scholarship oh. there. Muzzle tough to him and his family. Now let's talk about the uh, the co-main event DC because I was even more hyped about that than I was the main event. To me, there was an opportunity for either Carla Sparza or Yan Shanan to assert themselves as the number one contender in the very competitive strawweight division. And both had great storylines attached to them if they get over the hump. Now, the issue for Carla historically has been she wins, walked into that fight on a four-fight winning streak. But, you know, often not the most fan-friendly fights, not the fights that make you go, wow, I want to pay money to watch that person fight for a belt or in a main event or in a big-time spot. Well, what did she do on Saturday? She went in there against the previously undefeated in the UFC, Yan Shanan, and she put it on her. And she scored her first finish in the UFC DC since her very first fight inside the octagon against two. Who was that fight against? The current champion, Thug Rose Namunis. She submitted Rose Namunis via rear naked choke back in 2014 to win the very first UFC what? strawweight title fight. Yan Chanan had never lost before. Here comes Carla with the TKO, the crucifix, her first TKO win since 2012. That was the kind of performance that you need to submit yourself as the number one contender in a division in a weight class and to get that title fight however after the fact Dana White's talking about John Wei Lee he's talking about maybe we're going to go this way no to me it was fed accompli on Saturday night it's a done deal it's Rose versus Carla too with the storyline of Rose trying to get revenge against the person who beat her in the first ever strawweight title I mean this is perfect stuff this is this kind of stuff that matchmakers dream of it's a done deal there's not even anything for you to say at this point if you ask me Carla Spar is the number one contender in the UFC strawweight division I believe that after what she did on Saturday, she has earned the title fight. Now, it doesn't always work out like that in terms of what you've earned. I mean, I can't understand how you still don't understand this after all these years. You've been in the game so long. You're an OG, as the kids would call it. I don't know how you don't understand where it always doesn't just earn this. It belongs to me. It's a number of other things. But I do agree with you. I do agree that it should be Carla. Carla has done everything she has needed to do. And honestly, she beat Rose Namajunas. She dominated Rose Namajunas. In that first fight off the Ultimate Fighter, it wasn't like it was close. She beat her up. She took her down over and over again and beat her up. They should fight again. But with who Zhang Weili became as the champion, I don't know if that's a bad fight in terms of the rematch because the fight was so quick. You don't know... If Zhang Wei Li just got caught. But for me personally, I'm tuning in to watch Rose Namajunas versus Carlos Barza. Honestly, I'm tuning in to watch Rose Namajunas fight anybody. And if Carlos Barza can ground her in the way that she did the first time, <laughs> two time UFC flyweight champion or a strawweight champion. And, and the way she looks Saturday against Xiao Nan, 
Her name is Zhao Shanan. Ariel, Zhao Shanan. The way yeah. she looked against Zhao Shanan, yeah. it makes, yeah, the way she looked against her, Carla Esparza is, she's scary. Because Zhao Shanan is good. Zhao Shanan is a good fighter. And for Carla to beat her in the way that she did, it's crazy. <laughs> Okay, but look, DC, I what get you what you're saying at? about John. What are you laughing? What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? <laughs> what are you laughing Nothing. at? I'm, I'm laughing at. I'm laughing at how horrible your take is here. She's a Zhang is a very <laughs> deserving, you know, top contender in the strawweight division. But she just lost a very one-sided fight. And yes, it would be interesting to see if she could it figure it out. Minute, I, I it was a Zhang minute. It was a minute fight. It was a minute fight. Exactly. It was that's, a minute fight. That, that's what I'm talking about. But that does. How do you justify that giving but her that a immediate rematch? <laughs> But you can't tell, you can't tell if in a one minute fight you can say, well, she was just better. Rose had a great setup to a kick that knocked her out. But, uh, Wei Lee had become a, look, look, man, let, let me tell you something. Like, Wei Lee got booed a little bit. She had never been booed before. You know, it really did affect her. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it gets hard. So, I'm saying Carla deserves, I agree with you in that sense, but, Zhang Wei Li as the champion who beat Joanna Jacek in the fight of the decade, who won the title in phenomenal fashion against so, Jessica Andrade. I'm not saying that she is undeserving, but yes, Ariel, Carla has earned, but it just having earned something doesn't always equate to getting it in the UFC. That's that's crazy. Yeah, you just said it right there. <laughs> Run it back with Joanna. Rematch of the fight of the century, whatever you called it, and give the deserving Carlos Sparza who went out there and defied the odds. No one wanted to give her this title shot. Lord knows, no, no, you know, the powers no. that be were trying to figure out a way to not give it to her. She proved a point. She did what she brought. The crucifix, just the she 11th did. in UFC history, by the way. The crucifix. I mean, she was looking was like nasty. a young Roy Nelson out there. I mean, it was nasty. She deserves it. If she, you ask me. She, All right. she looked good and she does. She does. We can agree on this one. She does. But I don't know, man. I don't know. With those fights like with those fights like uh Marina Rodriguez, right? Was super close. That one was super close. And in that fight, it's Carla just taking her down, right? So she did have such an impressive performance the other day. But along that run, you have those fights where she uses her wrestling to a point where at times it can be a bit slow. But listen, for the record, me, Daniel Cormier, I am advocating for Carla Esparza to fight for the UFC championship. Just to put it out there, Ariel, as clearly as I'm stating it, because otherwise she's going to be mad at me. Then I got to deal with Carla. And she's a, you know, she's a wrestler. She's been on the USA team and everything. So, Carla, I got your back. I'm over here fighting for you. Yeah, well, it doesn't kind sound like it. Seems a, comb -si, comb -sa. Seems a little comb Seems a little comb -sa. And what worries me about the whole situation is if DC is advocating for a plan B, that means he knows something. He knows that there's an old screw no. job coming her way. No. So just be on the lookout. No. Keep your head on a swivel, Carla, because DC just gave you the heads Come up. On. Now, by the way, speaking of Carla Esparza, oh my an alum of the Ultimate Fighter, she won that season. I want to remind all of you that the Ultimate Fighter returns June 1st right here to the ESPN family of network. It exclusively premieres on ESPN Plus, and you can tune into the Tough launch party tomorrow evening at 9 p.m. on ESPN. You can take a look back at the history of Tough and get to know some of the fighters competing on this season of the Ultimate Fighter game. That's 9 p.m. Eastern only on ESPN. And by the way, you can catch new episodes of DC and Helwani at midnight Eastern on ESPN2, ESPN News. Check your local listings, as they like to say, on 
TV. Now, DC, let's talk about another. Okay, so DC, I love the Carla performance. I love the Rob Font performance. Can I tell you what I didn't like? I hate watch. You know what hate watching something is? Like you're watching something and you're like just pouting the whole time. You're like, hmm, hmm. you know, it's sort of like, sort of like when you're playing video games for 10 straight hours and Selena's walking by. She's like, hmm, video games again. That's how I watch Edmund Shabazian against Jack Hermanson. This made no sense. I mean, look, I'll give love to to to, to the matchmakers of the UFC. Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, they know what they're doing. Their track record speaks for themselves. That fight should have never happened. That was a stupid fight to make. That should have never happened. Why are you putting a 23-year-old stud who just came off his first loss against Jack Hermanson? What did you think was going to happen? That's what happened. I hate watching the whole thing. <clears throat> look what they did to Ed Mitchell. <laughs> you playing video games again? <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Don't you agree? It was a mess. Why did he have to fight him? It's exactly what you said. Exactly what you said would happen. It happened. Yeah. And like, now you don't want to be right. You don't want to be right. It's like you're mad because you don't want to be right. We knew. Listen, you knew that Edmund Shabazian could be in trouble against Jack Hermanson. You said it weeks ago. You said it when the fight was announced. You're like, why? I don't get it. I don't understand. And exactly what happened uh, is what was kind of expected, right? You knew that Jack Hermanson was a tough offer, Shabazian. His experience, his uh, his grappling ability, his high level, the competition that he's fought inside of the UFC in itself is a problem for a young guy. But now you find yourself in a situation with Sabazian where the dude's lost two in a row. He's so young that you don't know if those young guys can right the ship, man. It's uh, Look, man, there's no easy fights in the UFC. And when you're in the top 10, you're going to get somebody difficult. We've seen this, though. We saw it with Kevin Holland, who has now lost two in a row or three in a row. And now we've seen it with Shabazian. So it's a matter of these young guys being ready when they get the call to go into the top 10, because you only got so many of those fights where you get to look like a rock star before you really got to start to earn your way uh, up to, to the top of the division. And um, we've seen it recently where guys just haven't really been able to handle the step up in competition. Have you ever seen the movie Bridesmaids? Are you familiar with that movie? Kristen Wiig, yeah. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Do you know the cop who I think has an Irish accent, Chris O'Dowd? That's who Jack Hermanson looks with his new hairdo. You know what I'm talking about? You know Chris O'Dowd? I think that's his name. I just looked up his name. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's got the accent, good-looking guy. That's who Jack Hermanson looks like. I actually love that you say you hate watching you. The whole time, like, just mad, like, huffing and puffing, like, making those sounds. It's like, you know... You know at that time you need to put the controller on, right? When they when they walk past you three or four times, like, huh, I mean, the baby's here or this, this, this. Yeah, all right, it's time for you to put the controller on, right? Hate watching. That's so funny. I mean, you would do that too. Like, <laughs> oh I my mean, gosh. That, you know, I would think, I would think that that, I mean, <laughs> look at you. So bougie too. Look at him. Throw that old head to the side. <laughs> 
It doesn't happen here. I learned that from you, by the way. It doesn't happen in my household. I get treated with the utmost respect over here, just for the record. I could do as I please. Oh, come on. And speaking of doing, speaking of doing as you please, DC, what about Paulie Felder? What about our guy, Paulie Felder, who says, you know what? I'm done with all of this. I'm walking out on my terms. You know, I've seen all these other people. Now, he didn't actually say this, but it has been a theme as of late, seeing all these sort of depressing ends to great MMA careers. And he says, you know what? I feel it in my heart. I've done what I had to do. You know, the ceiling's there. I'm going to go out there and do other things. Um, you know, he had hinted at this in the past, but he came out on Saturday and officially announced the retirement. What did you think of this? As, we, as, as we've seen over the last few months, like I said, a lot of depressing, depressing results. Pauly Felder says, you know what? I'm done. I'm good. You know, my boy Pauly Redstash, he texted me after the show where I said, They've offered him the fight against Islam and all these other dudes. And Paulie right away told me, he goes, you know, D, I've been kind of thinking about walking away. That's why I haven't taken the fight against Islam or anybody else. Listen, Paul Felder was never afraid of anyone. Paul Felder will fight anybody. We've seen it on a number of occasions. I mean, he fought RDA on five days notice and lost 30 pounds to make the weight, right? So we know who Paul Felder is, but... When you lose that fire to compete, especially when you're a guy like Paul, right? A guy who kind of is a blood and guts warrior. When you lose that 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 desire, that fire to be in there and going through the type of fights that he's been through with Mike Perry and Dan Hooker and all those guys, how do you how do you wrap your mind around the damage that you take if you don't love doing it no more? When it's easy, it's easy to do when you love it. You go home with the bruises. You go, what? You know what? I'm going to recover and I'm going to go do this again because I love it. But when that's gone, it's gone. And a guy in Paul Felder who has a fantastic broadcast career uh, that's waiting for him. He has acting, acting opportunities. He's got so many opportunities. The UFC is changing in a way that now, as an athlete, you can walk away earlier and still find a lot of opportunities. And Paul Felder is the type of guy that will take full advantage of those things. So good for Paul. He doesn't have to stay out there and, and, and ruin the things that he's built, right? Legacy matters, man. And everybody, everybody's legacy is on different levels. But to Paul Felder, he values the work that he's done in the octagon, and I believe that he's making the right decision. Yeah, there is a lesson there. It's always important, especially for fighters whose careers can end very abruptly, whose careers can end in their mid-30s, you know, regular schmoes, our careers don't end in our mid-30s, it's important to have that next thing. And so as you mentioned, he has a lot of next things and he's a big part of the UFC broadcast plans as well as other things. But can I ask you, DC, is it easier in your opinion for an Alan Joban, a Paul Felder, tremendous fighters, not taking anything away from them, but not former champions who are trying to like chase that dragon again, trying to get back on top and relive the glory years? Is it easier for them, in your opinion, to know when to say when as opposed to a Jacare, uh, a Junior Dos Santos type of guy, you know, like those older fighters who were once champions at the very top and, you know, an Anderson Silva and are trying to get back there when in reality they can never get back there because they're just too old and they have too many, you know, miles on their tires. You get what I'm saying? Because it feels like we've seen this recently with these sort of, you know, contender slash mid-tier guy who never got over to the championship level knowing when to say when as opposed to these other former champions who seem to stick around a little too long more often than not? Well, what happens is 
those glory years, right, that you live as a champion in the UFC, it's like nothing that you're ever going to experience again in your life. So you pine for that. You want to go back to those days, right? Whenever your body and your physical capabilities won't allow it, you know, but the last person to realize that it's over is that champion. That person that wore that title, that person that was at the top of the world, that's the person that's last to understand that it's over. So it's a little more difficult for a Junior Dos Santos and a Silver to walk away because in your mind, the body stops having the ability to get to those heights, but your mind still tells you that you're the champion, right? When you look in the mirror, you try to believe that you're still that guy when in reality it's over. Um, what makes it easier, though, also for those guys is that they have those second careers, right? They have the broadcasting and being a part of the show, being at the fights, it does help. So when I go to Houston, Ariel, and I'm doing a signing and there are a thousand people, that's a big deal for a guy that's not part of the fight anymore. When people are still yelling your name for photos and for, for autographs, that's, that's all a part of that draw to uh, being a person in the, in, in, in the spotlight. So those guys still have that. Those other guys don't have it as much. So it's hard to really deal with. Well, you're very lucky, of course, because you have this show and that's what keeps you relevant. And, uh, I tell you, man, this show really fans, does keep me know, relevant. Sure. This show keeps me relevant. This show helps me a ton. I mean, they love you. People love you. Boy. For as many enemies as you have, you have, you have got a lot of support out there. They love you. Very nice. Very nice. Shout out to all the supporters out there. Now, uh, let's talk about some other things because, as always, a lot going on in the world of MMA. Hey, DC, I finally caught up with Tatiana Suarez last week. You know, it seems like every single day someone's like, where's Tatiana? Where's Tatiana? When's she coming back? We haven't seen Tatiana Suarez, the undefeated Tatiana Suarez, the female version of Khabib Nurmagomedov in many people's eyes. We haven't seen her since June of 2019. By the way, she has a win over the aforementioned Carla Sparza. And so I spoke to her last week. She is finally healthy. She's medically cleared. She's had a hellacious past two years. She had neck uh, issues, back issues. She comes back. She suffers a concussion. She breaks her hand, DC, uh, rolling around with her boyfriend in her, uh, in, in her front lawn. I mean, she just had a bad string of, uh, of, of bad luck, but she's finally good to go. And she says she's coming back as a flyweight. And so two things that I want to bring up to you. Number one, her bad string of luck, you know, people kind of, you know, say like, oh my God, is she going to get over the hump? It kind of reminds me of Habib in the sense that you remember there was that period where he just couldn't be healthy and he couldn't get any good luck. And we thought that maybe he'd be and never was. And then of course, all that became, you know, a, a distant memory and he, he ended up being one of the all-time greats. But her moving up to 125 is really interesting because I think most people thought that she could be a champion at 115. It certainly was looking that way. And now she's moving up to the division that has Valentina Shevchenko at the very top. So what do you make of this decision by her? At least for now, she says, I may not be done with 115, but in my return, which she expects to, to be in maybe late uh, summer, early fall, it will probably be at flyweight. I think it's great. I think that division needs a shot in the arm too, right? With a Tatiana Suarez. And with her ability, she can compete with girls who may be heavier. I mean, you watch Tatiana beat Carla Esparza in a way that we've never seen her lose to anyone outside of Yoani and Jacek. 
So you know she has ability. I wonder how much more effective she's going to be whenever she's not depleting herself so severely to get to 115. Because if you remember, against Nina, against Nina Nunez, she struggled down the stretch because she seemed to fatigue a little bit because of all the wrestling and her inability to control her on the ground as much as she wanted to or she has controlled other athletes that she's fought. But I think it's big. And I think that if she can adjust herself to this weight, it's good for the champion, Valentina Shevchenko, too, because she will challenge her in areas that we haven't seen Valentina challenge. Now, I'm very scared about saying that because Valentina Shevchenko takes that as a knock, and then she wants to go take you down over and over again. So she may go fight Tatiana and just try to take Tatiana down to prove that she's the better wrestler. So um, I don't want to put any more pressure on Suarez and going up and maybe potentially fighting the champ Valentina. But I think it's great. I think it's a great thing for the division to have someone like Tatiana in it. Uh, in Tatiana's defense, her neck was messed up in that fight against Nina Nunez back, or Nina Ansaroff, the, the former Nina Ansaroff, back in uh, June of 2019. So who knows? I mean, like for a wrestler, that's a really big deal, and, and that could definitely, you know, hamper whatever mm -hmm. you're trying to do oh, out yeah. there. Uh, I, I, also, I also feel like you look at the rankings right over there, I think that she could climb that relatively easily, but then it's, you know, the top dog, so to speak, that could give her all kinds of problems because that's a different, I mean, that's just a different caliber of fighter. I certainly wouldn't suggest her to jump into the deep end of the flyweight pool right off the bat. I suggested a name like an Andrea Lee, who's coming off a win over Antonina Shevchenko, just to get her feet wet. But ultimately, and, and she says that maybe she feels like cutting too much weight leads to a weaker version of herself on fight night as opposed to the version that she sees in the gym. I ultimately feel like she was looking so good at straw weight. Why, you know, why fix it if, if it ain't broke? But, you know, she has to listen to her body. And I think, you know, the biggest story, the best story, the, the best news to come out of all of this is that she's finally healthy, medically cleared, and having her back in the mix is huge for women's MMA. Also huge for women's MMA is uh, Chris Cyborg winning this past week. Now, she didn't finish Leslie Smith in about, you know, 90 seconds like they like she did the first time they fought about five years ago but she did get the win and you know maybe there's a Katzengano fight next for her we'll see what happens there but to me DC the like Kayla Harrison is about to become a free agent she's going to win this tournament for the PFL more than likely and she's going to have suitors from the UFC and Bellator in my opinion and it's going to be incumbent upon her to pick the best spot Cyborg told me she would fight Kayla Harrison at 155 that might be a very appealing choice for Kayla Harrison, who historically has said she doesn't love to cut that weight. What do you think about Cyborg? Can Kayla Harrison beat Chris Cyborg right now? Is that a possibility in your opinion? You know, man, it, that's, that's, that's tough. That's tough to say right now because of who Chris Cyborg is. And because I've seen so much of Cyborg and we've seen Kayla just dominate whoever is in front of her. So you want to believe that. And you want to believe that with her background she would present a lot of unique challenges to Chris but watching Chris fight now um, watching Chris fight for years it's hard to really pick anybody against her and congratulations on her last championship victory over Leslie Smith who showed a much better accounting of herself in that fight uh, than the first time but it's hard to say for certain but what I will say about Kayla Harrison today is that I'm not strongly picking anyone against her. 
You understand what I mean? I'm not saying for sure she can beat yep. these girls, Amanda Nunez and Chris Cyborg, but I'm not saying that Amanda washes her out or Cyborg beats her up because she's special. She's very special and she's different. And I believe that the more time she spends in this thing, the worse it's going to get. I remember when Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo way back in the day. Canelo wasn't finished. He was unpolished. He was in the process. Floyd got him then. I think for everyone else, they need to get Kayla Harrison right now. Because the more time she spends mm. in this sport, the harder out she's going to be for Chris Cyborg and for an Amanda Nunes. But it's impressive that we can speak about her today when she's still an infant in her MMA journey and say that we cannot for certain pick the two greatest female fighters of all time to beat her. That's a great point about Canelo. That's a, uh, that, you know, honestly, it's like top five best points that you've had over the last few months. That's a great, great oh, point. Come I think on. when it's all said and done. Come no, on. it was a great point. What, I, I'm, giving you a, I'm giving you a compliment. It was a great point. It was yeah, very but you can't say, it was astute. You can't it say it's one of my top five. But you can't say it's one of my top five of the last few months when I've had some real nuggets lately. I got to be honest. I've had some great yeah. nuggets recently. Oh, wait. Have I been off my game? Are you saying I've been off my game? I mean, have I been come see, come sa? Have I been come, come see, come sa? <laughs> um, no, but I, I think she will end up being one of the very best in this sports history. When she is crying because she only won via decision, uh, that happened a couple of years ago. Like, you know, this is a different level of competitor. And I just think that she is obsessed with being the best. So I can't wait to see. I would sign up for that. I would sign up, of course, for her making a run in the UFC. We'll see how it all plays out. Now, speaking of changing weight classes, DC, Kevin Lee is going back to 170. Kevin Lee, head tattoo and all, is finally returning a year and a half after his last fight. Of course, he had the uh, the knee injuries against Sean Brady, DC. Sean Brady may not be a household name. But this guy is really, really good. Undefeated in the UFC, undefeated in his career. I believe 14 and 0 off the top of my head. This is a really tough fight for Kevin Lee, but I give him a lot of credit. A lot of people would want to come back and fight a guy maybe at your level, your age. He's fighting an up and comer against him, not the biggest name, and he's jumping in there at 170 against him. I give Kevin Lee and his head tattoo a lot of credit for that. Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee is a guy that has always struggled a bit with making lightweight. So the move to 170 seems long overdue. The fight is, it's it's a very difficult one. And this one tells me that Kevin Lee's serious, right? Kevin Lee wants to make an impact. And there comes a time where, as an, and, and I, it's hard to, to say an older fighter because Kevin Lee's not old by any stretch of the imagination. Before a guy that's a veteran that's been around, there comes a time where you're going to be faced with these fights, right? These fights where it seems as though you're the stepping stone for this young guy. Kevin Lee has this opportunity to really say, nope, I'm still here in a new weight class. It's like a fresh coat of paint, right? If he does this right, if he gets past Sean Brady, he is immediately viable in a weight class above. So um, it's good, but that also comes with challenges, right? You remember when RDA went to 170? His 170 mm -hmm. debut was against somebody so good. I, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. But he fought somebody so good that immediately he was in the top five. So then every fight at 170 was a dog fight. Every fight was a massive fight. And eventually he goes back down to 55. So it's like you, Kevin Lee can do something special. He'll be ranked right away. But it's, Brady's not a top five guy. But he's as dangerous as they come. 
And this is a good fight for Kevin, a big fight for Kevin, and a massive spike for, spot for Sean Brady. Yeah, RDA fought Tarek Safadine in his welterweight debut. I don't know if that's who you were referring to, uh, the former Strikeforce welterweight champion. Mm -hmm. The only thing I don't like about all this is uh, I really just want to see Kevin Lee versus Islam Makhachev. And if he's fighting on 170 <laughs> and Islam, of course, at 155, it doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. I just can't believe that we're not going to, like, Kevin was calling out Khabib for years. We didn't get that. And now, at least for now, we're not going to get Kevin Lee versus Islam Makhachev. You know what else we're not getting, DC? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your I can't mind really with say. I can't right really here. say nothing. I can't really say nothing about Islam Makhachev because every time, Everybody thinks that I try to input him into everything. You know, like every, I can't say Islam's name without people going, oh, DC's pushing the narrative. I got so many of that on Twitter yeah. last week. Hey, man, it is what it yeah. is. You know, I like the guy. I do like the guy, you know, but the guy can fight. That was me trying to bait you into talking more about Islam <laughs> Makhachev, but uh, you smartened up. And you did not take the bait, DC. <laughs> but, you know, one fight that uh, we are not going to see as well. And like I said, I think I'm going to surprise you with this take. And uh, this whole thing, you know, would give most people a massive headache. We're not going to see, at least for now, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua anytime soon. Why? It's because Please. the bronze bomber, oh Deontay Wilder, said, hold up, in my contract, it says, and I quote, immediate rematch clause. Oh, you want to give me step-aside money like like the Carlos Condit back in the day or Yoel Romero back in the day? No, no, no. We ain't doing no step-aside. I'm going to come to Las Vegas July 24th and ruin everyone's plan of seeing Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Now, now I, I would suspect that people like you, simpletons like you, and most people would say, oh, this sucks. Deontay, just take the money and run. Don't ruin it for the rest of us. Don't ruin it for the boxing community. Let's see Joshua versus Fury. It's a fight we all want to see. I love what Deontay Wilder has done. Nope, it says in my contract right here, section 7B, I get the immediate rematch clause, and I'm not taking a step aside. So I say good on you, Deontay Wilder. And you know what? I feel like something crazy is going to happen. I feel like he's going to ruin everyone's fight. It's such, it's such an amazing thing to see them think that they had the Fury-Joshua fight. Side two later, this is how delivered, and then they get Deontay Wilder walking in there and be like, "Nope, July 24." I mean, isn't this great? Don't you just love this? Come on, you gotta love this. This is beautiful stuff. <laughs> it, 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 there's a word that you love to use about uh, they're in every business. What, what does every business have? A person that does what, Ariel? Michael Chandler was Disrupt. supposed to be that too. <laughs> hey, Deontay Wilder's disrupting. Now, let me make a point though. There was no step-aside money offer, Ariel. Like, you're confusing. You're confusing the idea that it was going to happen opposed to what is fact. Bob Arum said, we're not going to pay him step-aside money. We'll go beat him if we need to. So there was no step-aside money offer. So to say that Deontay Wilder said, I don't want the money, I want the fight is not true, and you should not lie to the people that tune in to watch our no, show. No, no. There was never a step aside. I bet you Eddie Hearn would have paid there, there, Deontay hey, Wilder hey, listen, step aside. I bet there you was, but, there, but, there was no, but there was no step aside offer for Deontay Wilder. Aram said that we'll go fight against Deontay Wilder with Tyson Fury. Look, here's my thing. We get two big fights, right? We get two. We get two heavyweight title fights, and hopefully in a short span of time, um, if you're Tyson Fury, though, and the last fight went in the way that it did, you're thinking to yourself, I can go do that to him again. I just got to stay big because Deontay's not a big guy. Deontay's only about 220 pounds. 
So Tyson Fury's massive. Stay big, press him like he did last time, try to give, remind him why the fight ended in the way that it did last time. Because guess what? There are some memories of your corner waving the flat, waving the towel if, if that happens, right? So Deontay Wilder will still have those memories. It'll just be on Tyson Fury to remind him. But we know that the bronze bomber, he, he has that right hand. And that thing is in, it's, a, it's dynamite. And if he can land it, he can ruin all the plans. But if I'm betting today, um, I have to bet against Deontay Wilder, who was one of my Olympic teammates back in 2008. Great, nice young man at the time, gentleman. But um, I just don't know, man. I think the size is too much of an issue for him. What a, what, what a boxing thing to, to have happened if, you know, they think that they get the, uh, the Fury-Joshua fight. Signed it's always over. boxing. Though. Only boxing would do. Only this would happen in boxing. This could only happen in boxing, right? Like, it's like, it's crazy. Like, we love boxing. But boxing is the most, like, it's like the most, like, I don't know. I don't want to insult everybody. But it's like, it's so, like, it's like disorganized or something. It doesn't happen anywhere else where two people are scheduled to fight. It's all done. And all of a sudden, gone. Like, some guy steps in and go, hey, remember, there was a contract. You don't usually get yeah. that far. <laughs> You don't get that far to scheduling yeah. the other fight without the, when the guy can go, hey, remember, I'm still here. Like, I get a rematch. And perhaps a reminder that, uh, you know, this is why you don't see these kinds of clauses in, in UFC contracts so that they can ultimately decide what they want to do next. This is one of the things that uh, the, the UFC brass has learned from the world of boxing. Um, I just feel like something crazy is going to happen July 24th. And by the way, what a stretch in Las Vegas. What a 14-day stretch. You come to Las Vegas in the summertime, here I am selling you on a trip to Las Vegas. I, 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 make, I make nothing off of this. But July 10th, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, numero trois, and then you stick around for 14 days and you get, uh, you know, the trilogy between uh, Fury and Deontay Wilder. So that's a great stretch in Las Vegas. Las Vegas <laughs> 14 is back, days baby. is too Las long. Vegas is you back. cannot stay in Las Vegas for 14 days. You cannot stay in Las Vegas for 14 days. You got to go home and come back. If you stay in there for 14 days, especially... With it being completely open, you're done. You can't stay there for 14 days. I was there for a month and a half doing the Ultimate Fighter, and <laughs> I almost lost a couple of my friends because they couldn't handle the Vegas life. Like, it was just too much. I almost lost a couple of them. Okay, so we're not getting uh, Fury Joshua. We are getting Fury Wilder. We're not getting... George St. Pierre versus Oscar De La Hoya, DC. We're not getting it. They tried to put it together. Dana White said, no, I'm not, I'm not lending out the greatest of all time, George St. Pierre, to, uh, to these guys who are trying to pick a fight with me, Triller, all this stuff. It ain't happening. What's your level of interest in George St. Pierre versus Oscar De La Hoya? Because this thing doesn't seem to die anytime soon. Uh, I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't know. Um, I don't know, Ariel, if I'm being honest, I don't know. I think it's too risky. I think it's too risky for us as a community to have a guy like George St. Pierre boxing Oscar De La Hoya. Great for GSP in terms of the money that he will make, but too risky. Because even at, whatever, I mean, I don't know if Oscar's got to be mid-50s at this point. Um, it's too risky. It's too risky for GSP to go and fight him because if he gets beat, if he gets starched, it's a, it's a bad look when the greatest fighter of all time 
is out there getting beat or knocked out or just dominated by a 55-year-old boxer. So um, I got to be honest, man. I don't, that I don't hate happening. that, that it's not happening. happening. That ain't happening. You think GSP beats Oscar De La Hoya Oscar in a boxing match? Yes. You think GSP yes. beats Oscar? Yes. Come on, man. Come At on, Ariel. This is crazy, pounds, man. GSP, if he puts his mind to Come anything, on, Ariel, George St. Pierre is the greatest. Come on, man. Wow, bro. You don't think? This is so Have you seen the crazy. state of Oscar De La Hoya as of late? Have, have, you, have you heard him? Have you seen him on the broadcast? You think George God St. Pierre is doing that? Dang, this guy's bro. idea of this a cheat meal right is a tripping, freaking man. red apple <laughs> instead of the green apple. Oh my God, That's his idea man. of a cheat meal. I mean, have you seen the kind of shit? Have you seen George St. Pierre's hair? As of late, this is 40 years old. Louise, we're talking about. This is middle aged Jeez yeah. Louise, man. Like, come on, Ariel, man. You're doing that again, man. You're doing it again, man. You're doing it again. This is crazy. What, dude? Come what on, Ariel, man. George you cannot Pierre, believe. You, don't think you cannot possibly believe that George St. Pierre is going to beat Oscar De La Hoya in a boxing match, man. You cannot possibly believe that, like, reality. Why? You really believe that? Younger. Man, he gonna he's gonna lose to that dude. Years younger than Dude's him. Olympic champ. Does not matter, man. Dude is Olympic champion, world champion boxing. No, man. That's why I don't want to see it. It's too risky. Maybe GSP does win, but I don't believe he does. So whatever, might as well not do it. <laughs> Have you seen that jab? I mean, you're that tripping. Jab, just ask your biases, about... man. Your biases, hey, dude. Your biases are so ridiculous at times. No, no, it's crazy. Oh, All right. Really? Really? What? Happened? what? Oh, ask Josh Koscheck about that. Ask Josh Koscheck. Ask Josh Koscheck about that jab. Wow, you're so disrespectful. It's what like the... you're by your whole. You got home what? bias, severely home bias, and you're so disrespectful, dude. Josh Koscheck broke Why his eye socket the first jab because, dude, you, the, the man's retired. The man owns his own business. He's married. What? The guy's living. The guy. We well, don't want to think about that. You want to put him on blast talk about how what? he got beat up by I'm George St. Pierre. You're Koshek's awful, bro. A great fighter. Nah, he's man. Great. Ask nah, him about that jab. That's, that's, that's why I ask Cody Garbrandt about Rob Font's jab. This, this is why everybody wants to beat what? you up and now add Josh Koscheck to the what list. What does that mean? Add Josh Koscheck to the so list. By the oh, way, I asked Josh Koscheck about that jab. Josh Koscheck wanted to beat me up ten years ago. Josh Koscheck never liked me. The guy would freaking not even look at me in the face. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I said ask Jake Shields about the jab as well. I mean, what it, it would be like? No, you didn't. It would be like no, you didn't. You, no, you didn't. No, did. you didn't. You did not it, say it would be Jake like Shields. No, you didn't. You said ask Josh Koscheck. Ask Derek Lewis about Derek about Daniel Cormier's wrestling. Ask Derek Lewis about Daniel Cormier. I mean, that's that's an apropos thing to say. The, he is that is disrespectful. You know I mean? like, that's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. Oh, you're so sensitive. You're so sensitive like all these other guys. You're so sensitive. Well, speaking of Derek Lewis, by the way, before we go, how about this jabron who tries to steal Jer Derek Lewis's car? I mean, you talk about bad luck. Of all the cars, of all the cars, I mean, you could make a case that there's probably not, you know, five other cars on the planet that you would not want to pick than this one right here. But this guy in Houston tries to carjack Derek Lewis's car. I mean, look at this. And Derek Lewis punched him out. I mean, come on, man. Derek Lewis, the black... What What would be the reaction? I mean, oh, my God. You look oh up, God. and it's the black beast punching crazy. you out. Man, it's, that is bad luck. Crazy. That is bad luck. It's crazy, that you, it's crazy that you try to rob the black beast. But why is the black beast driving the minivan? 
Why does the Black Bees have a minivan? I don't understand. Why is wow. Derek Lewis driving a minivan? That's I mean, come on, Bees. That's disrespectful bees. right there. The why bees. are you judging him? Why is the Bees driving a minivan? Why is the Bees driving a minivan? And then Bees got the camera goes, MF or tried to steal my car. <laughs> I punched him out. Tried to steal my car. Man, classic Derek Lewis, man. And then he puts his picture, his mugshot, on his Instagram in circles where the uh, so, where the bruise was um, after he punched him in the face. And, and, put, he's way, okay. and honestly, he put he's I'm, okay. He's I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm a little offended by your, your minivan take. I mean, what's wrong with that? What's wrong? Why? Look, I, I'm not a minivan driver at the moment, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think you need to apologize to Do you have minivan a minivan? Out there. Do you have a minivan? Do you have a I, minivan? No, I have. I, no, but I, I don't mind minivans. What do you have? What do you have? What kind of car do you have? I, I have like an SUV with the three rows. Yeah, a, wait, beautiful, beautiful Mercedes-Benz GL Series SUV. No I mean, way. beautiful. I have a GMC Mer- Acadia. I have a GMC hey, Acadia. Beautiful. Hey, he's got a beautiful Mercedes-Benz GL Series, guys. Don't let this guy fool you. He's like That's trying to true. make Derek Lewis That's turn on true. me the way that Josh Koscheck will want to beat him up. I know what you're doing. I know Listen, what you're doing. It's disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. I'm going to take a picture of my car after this show and tweet it to the world. A GMC Acadia 2019. You should be ashamed. And you should be ashamed for severing the relationship that I had with Josh Koscheck, a very good relationship that I've worked many years on on today's program. All right, DC? Unbelievable, this guy. Hey. Listen, That's dude. It. Listen, I'm doing? gonna tell you, you're an elite. You're as you're about as elite as they come with your Mercedes Benz. I mean, G wagon. Let's go, baby. <laughs> hey, uh, reminder, everyone. No UFCs this weekend, and we're off next week. Memorial Day. DC doesn't work on Memorial Day. It's part of his contract. So we'll be back in two <laughs> weeks, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.